Okay, friends, we're going to read some scripture, so I'm going to invite you, if you can, and are willing and able, please stand to your feet as a sign of honoring the Word of God. Now, the passage that we're covering at this point in the book of Mark is longer than what I'm about to read, so that's on you to go home and read the rest of it and get a little bit more detail about John the Baptist there. But right now, I'm going to read from Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles that he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and they preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that's why miraculous powers are at work with him. Others said, he's Elijah. And still others claimed, ah, he's a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had had him bound and put in prison. And he did this because of Herodus, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Thus says the word of the Lord. Amen, friends. Thanks, Jen. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you guys. You guys ready for God's word this morning? Uh, I want to welcome you if you're new, new to the church. So glad you're here. I think God has something for all of us this morning. Uh, Before we dive into the passage, I want to first, this whole passage is about the way in which Jesus uh, both fills us with his good news, and then with that good news, he sends us out with that good news to others around us. All right, we're going to talk about that. But to illustrate what it looks like to live a life of carrying the good news to others. I want to invite Paul and Grace Moses to come on up. Let's give a round of applause to Paul and Grace Moses. They are missionary partners with us as a church. They've been serving 25 years in India through their ministry. Come on. Woo! Twenty-five years through the Sangita ministry, ministering to orphans and widows. They, uh, you also host um, a sports ministry, right? A huge sports ministry reaching kids and many other people. And they're out here just visiting with us. And I really want them to feel 
God's delight in them through us, okay? So let's just extend a hand and let's pray for God's blessing on them right now. And then if you want afterwards, after service, come join us for a free lunch to hear about what they're doing. But let's pray. Lord, just thank you so much for Paul and Grace. We just thank you for the ministry that you entrusted to them. A bit of your heart that you gave to them to carry out, to show the world who you are, the depth and the breadth of your love, your compassion, your goodness, the strength of your truth. Thank you for how they, Lord, have ministered your goodness to people for 25 years. We pray that, God, you give them many more. May your love continue to grow in them. And may God continue to give you both power to do all that God's given you to do and to complete the good work that he's entrusted to you. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Can we give him a standing ovation? Come on, let's get up. Let's bless these guys. Woo! Oh, you guys. I'll see you guys after service. Okay. Well, you guys, there's the goodness of God. Lives dedicated to not just being transformed by the goodness of God, but carrying it out to others. That's what we're talking about this morning. Last week, we looked at how Jesus demonstrated the good news. And the power of the good news coming into our life is the message that God has done for you what you could never do for yourself. And we saw Jesus healing this woman of a disease that she couldn't heal herself of and went to all the doctors that she could find a father at the end of his rope, his daughter at the point of death, then dying. And the message of the gospel that Jesus is ready to reach into our life and rescue us and to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And what he did on the cross was ultimately to rescue us from our brokenness, our sin, and to give us eternal life. Isn't that good news? I want to illustrate it just real quick. So I want us to carry this, this understanding of the goodness of God, the gospel, as we talk about what it means for us to carry it out. But let's make sure we're clear about what it means that God has done this for us. I'll give you an illustration. So my family and I have had five accident, car accidents in the last like two and a half months. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but there you go. And I was backing up and hit this car, just grazed the, and hit the fender. And, but it was like the fourth of the five. And well, what do you got to do? You got to leave a note, right? Right? You get, yeah. You got to leave a note. Okay. So I want to make sure we're, we got that clear. You got to leave a note. <laughs> and, uh, um, got into a conversation with this person, and then finally, after some deliberation about the insurance and everything, we were working it out, they just stopped and said, you know what, I just want you to know that my wife and I have decided to absorb the full cost of the damage. You are free. See, doesn't that just move your heart? That is what Jesus did on the cross. This is what theologians call substitution. Jesus took our place on the cross, absorbing in himself the full cost of our mistake, our choice to live apart from God. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was just absorbing the full cost and saying, you're free. You're forgiven. Free to what? Free to live the good life that we were created to live, that we can't live without him. 
the good life that we try to find on our own through relationships, through achievements, through performance, through material possessions. These are all gifts of God, but they can't substitute for the goodness of God himself any more than this nice ring is no substitute for the person who gave it to me, my wife. It has value, but it cannot compare to her. And in the same way, we cannot, our lives or the goodness and the gifts of God in our life cannot bear the freight of the destiny and our identity that God's invested in us. We have to come and turn to him. And that's when his goodness comes into us and then he begins to draw us into his good life. And that's what Jesus is showing us right here. What does the good life of Jesus look like? When someone receives his good news, his gospel into their life to change them, what will our lives look like? And Jesus used the imagery of new and old wineskin. Do you remember that one? Do you remember back when we talked about Jesus and the parables and the wineskin? Okay, if you haven't, go back and listen to that message. And Jesus said, when you let the gospel, the good news of God into your life, it is like putting new wine into old wineskin. And what happens to that old wineskin? Do you remember? The new wine starts to ferment and it starts creating gas in that old wineskin that is old and brittle and stretched out and it bursts the old wineskin. And that old wineskin, among other things, represents our life And when the goodness of God comes in, he begins to stretch our life and it's threatening and it feels scary. It's like, really God, really? And I I don't know what this guy went through to say what he said to me, but I imagine there was maybe a moment, really, we're gonna absorb that full cost. We're gonna take that on. And maybe there's a little bit of a indecision for this person. But see, the goodness of God stretches us. and starts to tear at the seams of how we, the old way we saw ourselves, the old ways in which we looked at other people, and the old ways at which we looked at what we are living our lives for. Now, when we allow the goodness of God to change those things, man, now we're living the Jesus life. Could you use some of that? It's going to stretch. And I'm going to give you a chance to stretch a little bit this morning. Watch yourself. <laughs> There's a little bit of chuckling, a little bit of nervousness there. <laughs> All right, well, I want to show you what this changed life looks like because we're tempted probably to define it by our own terms. It means that everything I was already committed to um, apart from Jesus is now is just going to get better, right? Isn't that what we all want it to be? Whatever I want to do is going to get even more awesome. And maybe in some cases... But Jesus' vision of God's goodness in your life is so much bigger than you could ever create for yourself. So let's look at what Jesus has to show us. So in Mark 1.17, the good life that he's talking about is right here. Come, he says to Peter and uh, Andrew, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. So there we are. And that's what we've been watching Jesus doing with his disciples. Let's go to the next one. Then in Mark chapter 3, he says it again. Hey, he appointed 12 that they might be, there it is again, with him, and that he might send them out to preach and have authority. Are you starting to see a pattern in these two sentences? Do you see the pattern yet? Yeah, you see a pattern. Some of the things that they have in common. Okay, yeah, you're kind of making a gesture. Yeah, there's a going out. 
That's, okay, now watch here. Let's go to the third one. This is today's passage, Mark 6, 7. Look at your books. Verse 7, calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out. But now watch, Jesus is now building each time. Jesus is adding a little bit more clarity to the vision of this good life. And he goes, and you're going to be sent out now two by two. And notice this little thing here. And he gave them authority. This is the good life. This is the Jesus life. And I want to walk through what, how this frames for us the kind of life that Jesus is transforming us toward, right? His goodness saves us, but it also gives us a new life. It's more than a moment of healing. It is a new life. And Jesus wants to lead us to cooperate and join him in this life and to help us see where we are resisting that good life because we're holding on to our old life. Are you with me? So three things. Here's the point of the message. Following Jesus, which is what our series is about, means we are called, we are sent, and we are gifted to live his good life. Called, sent, and gifted. Let's unpack these. Let's start with the first. Uh, verse 7, which is going to be our verse for the day. Look at verse 7. Calling the 12 to him. Let's stop there. In every one of these verses that we looked at, chapter 1, 3, and 6, Jesus calls the disciples to himself. Come, follow me. He called them to be with him, and here he called them to him. Now, there's that repetition. It's there on purpose because it's communicating something about what the Jesus life is and where it starts and where it is rooted in, and here it is. Following Jesus at its core is about being in a relationship with Jesus, before it is about what we go and do for God, it is about who we are with God and in Christ. Now, there's an important distinction there. Are you with me? So, when I first got married, we had this, you know, we had our honeymoon. We had this period of time where we were just connecting together, getting to know each other, learning how to live in the same place together, learning how to just be together. And that's because... That relationship is the cornerstone of the family that God would eventually build around us. And when we had our first child, we felt the stretching. We were being sent out. Now we got this new kid in this new life. And there was a moment where we were being stretched. I was working and, you know, and she was juggling her work. And we, we had this new child and our attention was spread thin. And, but there was this moment, and I've shared this with you before, and I want you to hear it again, where God just showed us that the love that we have for each other is the foundation for the family. And that the strength of the family is bound up in the strength that we have and lo the love that we have for each other. And that that relationship between me and her is the most important relationship in our family. Now that's what God is trying to bring us into. Before he's sending us out to perform for him, because God is not this big cosmic taskmaster here to give you things to do so that you can prove to yourself, to your parents, to your spouse, to one another, or to me, or to him, or to yourself, that you have what it takes. Before it's that, it, you are drawn into a relationship with God as your loving Father who loves you before you do anything for him. Now that's what we see in Jesus. Look at this. When we were drawn to Jesus, we are baptized into his relationship with his father. Look at this, Mark chapter 1, verse 10. Just as Jesus 
was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you are, let's read this out loud together. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now right here, at the very beginning of Mark's gospel, it serves to help us understand the source of all of Jesus' power, authority, and fruitfulness in his life. This is the source of his life. And the reason why this is so important we understand this is because deeply ingrained in our culture is the temptation to go out and do what we do for other, motivated out of other things in God's love for us. To go out there to try to prove something to ourselves, to prove that we have what it takes. And Jesus wants to free us from that. To free us from what we might sometimes experience when we fail to have what it takes in a moment. Have you ever had a moment when you fail to have what it takes in a moment where you just kind of let yourself down? You let someone you love down. You're out there trying to do good as a father, as a husband, to provide for your family. You're trying to do good in your work or by your friends or you're trying to do a good thing, a good deed for God and you stumble, you fall, you make a mistake, you fail. In those moments, can you draw one to mind? In those moments, how do you feel about yourself? Ever notice that when you stumble and fall, what comes to mind invariably is something about our identity, something about the quality of who we are as people. It is not just, I, had a, I lost my temper with my son, which is a story I share about because parenting has a way of exposing these fracture lines that need God's grace. And it's like, I am a terrible father. You see what I'm saying? When I struggle to bring what's needed in ministry, I am in over my head and don't have what it takes to be here. Do you know what I'm talking about? When you lose your job, you know, and you start to just doubt, gosh, who am I as a man? Who am I as a woman that I can't provide for my family? Can you relate to that? And so Jesus cuts through all that before we're sent out to do anything for God, he wants to deepen and establish and ground us in who we are before him, that we are his sons and daughters and that we are loved. And our whole life journey is a journey of allowing that to reach deeper and deeper places to our very core so that our identity does not rest on our performance. It doesn't rest on our desires. It doesn't rest on the relationships as good as they are in our life. Our identity runs deeper so that when we lose our loved one, I was ministering to a woman this morning whose husband just died. But her identity, who she is in Christ, is even bigger than her husband. Ministering to a couple who lost their son, finding that who they are is even bigger. What God has for them is even bigger than their son who they love. And the only one who has the authority to lay claim on our identity like that is Jesus Christ. And when we, when Jesus calls his disciples to him, he's teaching us that daily, moment by moment, that he wants to draw us back to himself to remind us who we are. Maybe you need to be reminded this morning who you are, that you are loved by God, that you are his son, his daughter, and that he is so pleased with you.
before you do anything to earn his love. Now, that's what we see with Jesus. And in the context of this passage, you can see how his identity stands firm in a storm. Think about this, a maelstrom of conflicting views about him. Look at the passage for a minute and just look for a minute at verse one. Look at verse one and then all the way down to verse three, it says, and they took offense at him. Jesus isn't in his hometown, right? College students, is it always a little weird in college students in the house? Raise your hand. College people, come on now, peeps. Yeah, what's up, my man in the back? Hey, college people. You know, one of the weirdest things about college is you're out there, full-blown adult, and then you come home, and your parents are like asking when you're going to be home that night. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, what are you talking about? You don't even know what I was doing last week. I, was, I didn't even go back to my dorm. I was with my friends, you know? And you have this growing identity you know, and you're not with your family, and then you come home, and they're like, hey, can you, do you, can you really handle being out past 11 anymore? I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, come on. And you're, sometimes our family, those closest to us, have the hardest time recognizing our growth, our changes, our maturing, who we really are. And that happened. I'm a dad. And uh, I confronted that when my son chose his college. Man, I had my own choice for him. But man, his choice was not one I would have chosen, but was where God was leading him. Jesus is in his hometown. And they're like, wait a minute, don't we know this guy? I saw you, Jesus, when you were just in little diapers, man. And now you're coming around, preaching, claiming authority over our life. Are you kidding me? And he begins to offend them. Think about the challenge on his identity. Who do you think you are? And then at the back end, John the Baptist, basing his views on Jesus off rumors that people had about Jesus, but afraid to find out for himself. And in the end, because John the Baptist called him out, he was killed. When Jesus draws us to himself first, he's doing it because he wants to anchor us in our identity in him so that when we are sent out, we don't lose ourselves out there, and we remember who we are no matter what the world says about us. We hold on to who we are. And only one person can remind you and tell you who you are. And when you get close to him, when you spend time in prayer and in his word, he reminds you. Number two, Jesus. Verse seven, it says he began to send them out two by two. He draws us in to remind us who we are to fill us with his love, to open our hearts, to hearing the voice of God's love in our life. And then he sends us out two by two. Jesus calls us to himself, now get this, by calling us to his purpose. This is really important. God wants to call you to himself because he loves you. But when you come to him, you are being called not just to him as a person, but to his purposes in the world. And you gotta see that these two things are inextricably tied. You cannot come to Jesus without his purpose. If you come to him without and try to ignore his purpose and being a part of what he's doing, you, can't, you end up losing Jesus in the process. His love is unconditional for you, but you can remove yourself from the flow and the outpouring of his love for you. And the way that we grow in his love is by staying with him and going where he goes. So what do you do when two people get married? Well, 
hopefully they're healthy, they move in together. They move in. They start to merge their lives and then one person's life and another life becomes your life. I've talked about this, right? So watch out. It's coming. A whole other life is going to invade your life. And that's what happens when you follow Jesus, his life, his priorities, his purposes. Because, get this, guys, he calls us to himself by, by calling us into his purpose. By allowing our life to become what he's about, we learn about him, we learn to depend on him, and we learn to live in his power. Let me illustrate. There was this couple that kept waking us up when we lived in our condo. We had a jacuzzi right outside our window, and they, would, they were always going into the jacuzzi late at night and waking us up. And I, uh, how would you feel getting woken up by someone's jacuzzi escapades? It was annoying. So I look at, uh, do I call 911? And, uh, you know, I pray for them. I don't know what to do with them. But I was pretty annoyed. I actually did call, we did call the police, and yes, they did do that. Yeah, sorry, I was that guy. But time and time again, they were showing up late in the night. They didn't care. They were just jacuzzi past midnight. And then sometimes I would look at it, and I, I could see who they were, you know, and, and I had some judgments about them. You ever form judgments about people who annoy you? <laughs> I'm alone. I'm sure I'm alone. And I had some judgments about them, and then I would see them during the day. Oh, there's that couple. There they were. Got a better look at them. And forgive me, but I had judged them. Like, they had this disheveled look about them, and they, they kind of annoyed me. I was like, why are people like that living here? Huh? <laughs> yep, I did. Yep, I did. And uh, it was getting so frustrating and then I just had a turning point where the Lord invited me to start seeing them through his eyes. Now, this is, a, this is different. To start looking at them the way he looks at them. And he had me start praying for this couple. So I started praying for them. And every time they woke us up or were out there annoying me, we would pray for them. I would pray for them and pray for them. Pretty soon one day, I'm like, God, I just want your goodness in their life. Well, one time I was in the jacuzzi and guess who got in with me? There they come. They come just happy as a clam, just jumping in the jacuzzi. And I'm just uh, irritated. And uh, I, you know, because I've been praying for them, I'm like, all right. I, my heart's a little soft towards them. I get to know them. And uh, this conversation takes a turn. They start sharing about how things are struggling with in their life. And I'm like, oh, we're in the jacuzzi. I feel a little weird. How about we, after the jacuzzi, I come over and we, we talk a little more. Make a long story short. I start to pray with them, and they become followers of Jesus. And the goodness of God, I know, let's just applaud the Lord. Isn't the Lord good? You're not applauding me because you know who I was. You saw me. But see, here's the Lord. Got anybody like that in your life right now? Don't elbow the person next to you, but you got somebody like that? Maybe the Lord wants you to begin to see them the way he sees them. See, when you're getting filled up with God's love, when you're hearing God's love for you, it begins to spill out towards others, and he begins to open your eyes to see other people in a different way because your love is not big enough for your spouse, your children, your teammates. You may think, oh, I love that person. No, you don't. Compared to the Father in heaven, no way. And you start to look at them through his eyes. Man, you start to look outward to people through his eyes and look for those people that annoy you and start to pray for them. Now, see, now you're starting to, get, you're starting to get it, the God life, the good life, the Jesus life. 
Who would that be in your life right now? Who is God inviting you to see through his eyes? Because when he calls us into his purpose, we get to know him better, and we get to see sides of him that we never would have seen if we hadn't joined him in what he's doing. Number two, you're going to learn to move in God's power in ways you wouldn't because you're going to be led to do things you would never do by yourself. So get this. The gospel is God has done for you what you could never do for yourself so that you can live a life you could never live on your own. Don't you want that? Don't you want that kind of life? And if you're getting kind of bored with Jesus in your life, getting a little bored, like, oh, dude, seriously, is this what the Christian life is? Is listening to this guy teach every Sunday? It's so much bigger. Because what Jesus has been modeling for them, he's like, it's time for you to go do it too. So they, he's been showing them what it looks like to live his life. He fills them with it, and he's like, now I'm sending you out to go do it. Can you imagine right now? Bro, what's the, I love your hat, John 3.16. What's your name? What? Antonino. Can you imagine, Antonino, if I just said, bro, you've been watching. How many times have you seen me preach? Can you, once, twice? Yeah, a couple years? A couple years. I think he's ready. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine if I said, come on out, bro, and preach this sermon? Now, you see me do this. I'm not going to put you on the spot there, but, but that is what Jesus is doing. And that is his intention with us. When we come here and we look at his life, and it's not so that we just get inspired and go home. It's so that we are able to recognize where he is inviting us to join him because he is sending us out. Where has he sent you out to? I want you to think for a minute, where has Jesus sent you out? Look around your life. Think about your family. Think about your neighborhood. Think about your workplace, your sports teams, your teammates. Where has he sent you out? And as you allow Jesus to send you out to them and to start to pray, God, I want to see these people through your eyes. You're going to see God show up in ways. He's going to ask you to do things that are going to stretch you and you're going to experience his power and it's going to spiritually awaken your life because you can't just sit and watch. Eventually, you're going to get bored and fall asleep, which is why I'm going to finish in the next six minutes. (laughs) Come on. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) You're a little too excited there, my friend. A little too excited. And it starts right here. When he sends us out, it starts right here in this room. Notice he sends them out two by two. So what does it mean for us to be sent out two by two, starting right here? He's drawn you to him. Now he's asking you, look out, look out. I'm sending you out now. This is the locker room. I'm sending you out. So I want you to start here. This is where we start learning to be sent out to one another, right here in this room, which is why. We have a habit in this church of greeting people we don't know. How many people here have been greeted by somebody else in this church? Just raise a hand. Raise a hand. Just raise a hand if you've been greeted by somebody. Come on, look around. I've been asking. Okay, put it up high. Look at that. I've been asking. Okay, thank you. I've been asking people who are new, how do you feel at our church? And what's, how are you being, getting connected? And you know what people tell me? People are so welcoming. It's one of the most welcoming churches I have ever been to. And then I ask them why. 
tell me more. Do you know what people tend to tell me? They go, people I don't know will just stop me and introduce himself to me. We start right here. You are first sent out to one another. Right here, we can practice right here where you can feel safe. There's a woman this morning that showed up who lost her husband. She showed up not knowing a single person. Jim Doyle told me about her, and I, he told me, oh, she's in the cafe. So I went in there to go find her. And you want, want to know what I found when I went to that cafe? Someone from our church had already found her, was talking to her, ministering to her. At one point, she was just tears coming down her face. I showed up today not knowing what was going to happen. I didn't expect this, she said. And she left this morning just telling me, I feel so encouraged. You know, I want to ask you to do something before you leave here today. You ready for a challenge? Here it is. I, I, I warned you. Okay, here we go. Loosen up, loosen up. What if before you leave here today, before you leave this campus, you pray, you introduce yourself, welcome and pray for one person before you leave, before you get in that car. Or no, before you leave in the car. So here we go. I'm going to make it really accessible for you who are freaking out right now. I know you're there. I know you're there, so I'm going to make it really easy. What if you can start and you're feeling really nervous, like, ah, I don't know. You can start with the person you came with, your bro, your sister, your mom. You can start there. I said start. Maybe next week you add a little bit more. You take a little bit more risk. Maybe for some of us who, okay, that isn't, I I I could do that, but I could do more. Maybe for some of us. It's reaching out to somebody that you don't know and it's introducing yourself to them and saying, hey, am I in so-and-so? Tell me about how'd you get connected to this church? And then just ask them, where would you like to see God's help in your life and pray one simple thing over their life? Simple. Jesus, I pray for healing. In Jesus' name, amen. That's simple. All right? I just prayed for a guy for help on his math test this morning. Lord, bring somebody to help him with the problems he can't solve. Five minutes later, he comes running at me telling me about how someone called him and said, hey, I want to help you with your math. You never know how a simple, seriously, yeah, that that happened. Like a simple thing like that. You're sent out, all right? I deputize you. (laughs) You were authorized as associate pastors of North Coast Calvary Chapel. Should I get you all name tags? I will. I want to invite the band to come on out. As the band comes out, um, let me just finish on this note as we go into this song. Notice that Jesus sends them out. They're called, they're sent, and then what? They are gifted. They're gifted. Look at this. And gave them authority. Authority. Now, this word authority is the Greek word exousia, and it shows up six times in the Gospel of Mark. It shows up four times referring to Jesus' authority. Four, sorry, four. That was four. <laughs> and then get this two times to describe the authority that he gives to you and me. You are given authority. And now, the authority that is described about Jesus is his authority to teach his authority over demons, his authority to bring healing and forgiveness for sin. And I'm here to tell you this morning that when you begin to follow Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit, you are filled with that authority. 
That authority is now in your life. And you might be going, Ryan, I've never seen that. I've never ministered God's forgiveness to anybody. I've never seen anyone healed. I've never seen anybody experience God's power through my, my, my life, through my words, my prayers, or my actions. And I want to tell you this morning, maybe because you didn't understand that you were sent out. Maybe you've been afraid to be sent out. Maybe you felt like you had to have a degree. Maybe you felt like you had to have all the answers. You don't. Maybe you felt like you needed to feel something inside. You don't. You just need to believe and trust this promise that Jesus Christ has given you. And I'm telling you this morning that he has given you authority. In Mark chapter 1, verse 8, John the Baptist said this. He said, I am baptizing you with water. Now, if you've been baptized, all right, would you just, uh, well, I don't want to single out people who haven't been baptized, but maybe just raise a hand for a minute. So, you know, just put your hand up for a minute. Put your hand, because I want to get you. Get your hand up. Hold it up just for a minute. Come on. You've been baptized. Put your hand up. Look, you've been baptized. You're giving your life to the Lord. Hold it up. Listen to what John says. Hold it up just for one second. Listen to what he says. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay. You have the Holy Spirit. And in you, get this, if you're willing to step out, is the authority to wield God's power for his goodness. Power to encourage, to carry his message of good news, to heal, to minister forgiveness. Isn't that amazing? If you would like courage this week to go out, maybe this morning, to go out and use that authority to bless and pray for someone, as you go into this song, invite God to fill you with fresh boldness during this song. Let's pray. stand together. Break through these walls of fear. Jesus, you're welcome here. Your love has set us free. Responding to your call, Lord, we surrender all. Your love has set us free.
this week. Uh, hey, coming up is voting. Get out there. Get the vote out, people. Get out there. What a gift of privilege to vote. Invite God to guide you in that process. Consider that part of being sent out to make your contribution on society. But more immediately before you leave this, this uh, campus, I want to pray for God to bless you with some courage and with his authority to bless, to encourage, to lift up, to administer the power of his spirit to one another. All right? So let me bless you. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, Lord, we pray. Lord, I bless your people to be sent out with a fresh filling of your love for them, a fresh sense of purpose in the world, bigger than our roles, bigger than our careers, bigger than our hobbies, something bigger, God, making an eternal difference in people's lives as we minister your goodness to them. And lastly, I pray for a fresh filling of courage to administer your power, the power to encourage through our words, to pray your goodness over somebody, and to demonstrate your loving kindness through our actions. I pray Help us to be, to grow into your good, your good life. Let it start here. We pray for more healings. We pray for more encouragement, more comfort. We pray for more people to come to faith. We pray for more people to be set free and to be renewed and restored in this church and out there on the field. And so I just bless you, I deputize you to go now in the authority of Jesus to bless others. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go have fun. Go use it.